Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, where every week we talk about how technology is transforming the lifestyle industries. Today on the program, can fashion solve overproduction? It's a big topic, and we're going to talk about why it's so hard to get real data on global textile production, the need for recycling and the technological challenges to do it, the new market for discarded textiles, and what really are the solutions to this problem. I'm Conrad Olson, Editor-in-Chief and Founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm here with, uh, as usual, my junior editor, Erik Sedin, and premiering on the show, Mega Prakash. Mega, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Big day. Uh, big day for, for the podcast, I think, to have uh, <laughs> Mega, Mega on the show. Um, so... Uh, attentive listeners uh, recognize uh, Mega's name from our reporting online. Uh, I wish I could say Mega is a staff writer. She is actually our intern for this season, uh, and I have big hopes on uh, her continued uh, contribution to the Scandinavian Mind platform. But welcome, Mega. Thank you. All right. So the reason I want to do this topic, it's a big topic. Uh, there's lots to discuss, um, but it's, it's a kind of looming topic that... Um, affects so much of what we are uh, reporting on in the Scandinavian Mind platform. Um, and it affects the fashion industry at large. So much of the innovations coming out of the fashion industry, so much of the problems discussed, uh, the challenges, uh, comes down to this actual topic. And uh, we can try to dissect this uh, as best we can. Um, and I think we can do a pretty good job because we have done quite a lot of research on this this uh, um, fall, actually, both for some projects we've done with uh, some partners to us, but also for uh, upcoming reports that we are publishing in the Scandinavian Mind platform. So I just wanted to take the opportunity to sort of, while we have it sort of top of mind, um, dissect this a little bit. Maybe, Eric, you can start with this. It, it's hard to define. Uh, I've ta- I've said sometimes 130 billion garments per year, but we know we don't know actually what it is. Yeah, it is. Um, both Mega and I, everything we write about and report about on the on our website, and you know, for everything we do as Canadian Mind, it usually comes back to this problem of how terrible the fashion industry is, and it all comes back to uh, overproduction. And what overproduction is, it's kind of pr- speaks for itself, like the name. You know, in short, it's when companies produce more than they can sell. Uh, but why it happens is a bit more, that's a bit multifaceted. But mm. if, if you put it short, it's like this. Excess production for fashion is not born out of, you know, miscalculations. Like it could be for a restaurant or a hotel. You know, they make too much. Oh, not, not enough people bought it. Damn, mm. now we lost some money. It's quite the opposite for fashion. You know, it's a very precise calculation of profits and losses. And it's cheaper, usually, to just produce too much. And the main, there's many reasons to this, but the main, the big culprit, the public enemy number one for fashion is uh, fast fashion and the rise yeah. of it that we've seen uh, over the years. Uh, for me and Mega and I, we've, uh, when we've done all these research, one big uh, analysis report we found was the Transparency Fashion Index. They do yearly reports, and for this year, uh, uh, they have talked to and they have surveyed the 250 of the world's largest fashion brands and retailers on their social and environmental policy. So think of a fashion brand, think of a retailer, they probably interview them and ask them about Mm -hmm. where they get their clothes and where they get the textiles and stuff. So anyways, they told us, they didn't tell us, but in the report, um, they say that the fashion industry has doubled its production of garments between 2000 and 2014. 
which you know doesn't match the amount of consumers or the amount of people on Earth at all. And the production uh, goes through a 2.7% increase in volumes annually. So why does it keep rising and why is it so uh, skewed from the amount of people and the amount of consumers? Basically because in the up until the mid-20th century, it's, it's kind of a, like we're talking about an old beautiful saga or like an old beautiful story from a book. But the fashion industry was much slower, you know. It was like two to four collections per year, you know, how we talk mm. about autumn, winter and spring, summer. And, you know, back then, designers at these brands or at the fashion houses, they would also plan ahead for months, you know, and try to predict the trends. Also kind of, you know, plant a seed for trends of this is how people will dress this winter or whatever. Now, today, this is what the Transparency Fashion Index has written to. Now we have micro seasons and we have so many collections that we basically have, you know, 52 collections a year, one every week. <laughs> except uh, instead of four. And I know, Conrad, you told me, I don't know if you told me this on the podcast or if you told me this uh, off air, but you had this example of Shane, you know, the terrible example of fast fashion, how they would rip off the signs from celebrity Instagram posts, right? And then how did it go? I think you know it better than me. Yeah, this is anecdotal, but I've heard people in the industry talk. uh, uh, I I don't shop at Shane. I don't don't see it. But uh, sometimes they just rip uh, social media photos or, or pictures from Pinterest or whatever, trending pictures, uh, do a super fast production of them, uh, actually use the actual social media picture as the product picture because they don't have time to photograph the garment. Uh, yeah. You know, sell it out in a day or two and they take it down. So there's no chance for whoever is the owner of the photo to even react because they've already sold the garment. The, the, the SKU is already down from the website and, and they're off to the races. And, uh, yeah, exactly. you know, the, the numbers I've heard are that they have about 60,000 uh, uh, SKUs, meaning like individual uh, styles per season, whereas for other fast fashion uh, companies, it's more like in the uh, five or 6,000 range. So, mm. I mean, it's a, it's a tenfold increase uh, from, from exactly. this new player. Yeah. And, you know, if we're going to keep up to that tempo... You got to have to source the materials and you have to create the garments mm. quickly. And that means terrible quality, right? It will always mean that. Like I said before, and, and it's all about uh, making a profit. That's what these fashion brands know. They, they don't care if it's if they produce too much. So it's out with the old and in with the new, sped up to the max, you know. And mm. this eventually trickles down to producers, brands, retailers, and also the end consumer. Uh, and, you know, like I said, this whole phenomena of overproduction and fast fashion... It's just built on the, on the idea that it's easier and it's cheaper. I think we have to be clear about that, to just get rid of excess clothing. Yeah. Uh, reselling and donating clothing for a brand or for a retailer usually comes with like logistical and administrative costs that can be quite high. Uh, in example, in France, uh, companies can recover the, the value-added tax for something that they made or bought in uh, when they destroy and burn it, but not for when they donate it, for example. So if you buy in too many clothes, you can just throw it somewhere or burn it up. You can get the tax back, the VAT back. So, you know, it's it's less expensive and that's the way it goes. All right. Thank you for that. That's super interesting. But, you know, all of this comes down to something called sell-through rate, which uh, we found some data. And I'd love for you to, to, to bring that up. But I think to, to understand how the fashion industry works, and you're absolutely right, brands calculate with this and the whole industry mm-hmm calculate with this because everything that ends up on the shop floor in traditional physical retail or uh, in in the warehouses of the e-commerce platforms is not being sold 
uh, it's not even being sold after sales and so forth. And this is something they calculate. Not even it's not only the fast fashion brands. The, in the in the in the case of the fast fashion brands, uh, the damage is larger because usually the quality is worse and people wear it less and so forth. And I'm sure we'll get into that when it comes to the numbers. But it's definitely I, I'm sure this this uh, is as you know present present in even the luxury companies. But let's talk about the, the sell-through rate because that's a, that's a sort of a key factor in this. Uh, we've done some research on that as well, right? Yeah, definitely. We found, uh, uh, Mega and I found this uh, article from Accelerated Analytics that looked at the sell-through rate at uh, apparel retailers, so fashion retailers. And mm. uh, they, have, they, they can kind of say that mo- uh, in average, apparel retailers don't reach a sell-through rate above 68% until a year after it came through the door, the garment came through the door. So a year after yeah. it came through the door, 68% of them have been sold. And a half a year after it came through the door, uh, it's at 45%. And yeah. two months, it's 24%. So with everything I said and what you said about uh, the uh, the styles and the collections are ever like they're so rapid um, for, 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 a, for a piece of clothing to survive in a store for one year and it's only even then if it has that luxury if you have that kind of retail store to have it there for one year it's still only a sell-through rate of 68 percent at average you know let's stop right here and just let that sink in a little bit so you know after a year i mean usually the seasons are short and they are shorter and shorter Mm. so Mm. um you know we're talking about the first initial sort of full price sell cycle there's usually mid 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 season sales uh, you know, after a year, they've sold 68%. That's like two thirds. So one yeah. third is not being sold after one year. So at, you know, we've found it's either like 80 or 150 billion garments per year. No one knows. This This is super, uh, uh, you know, vague what this is because there's no uh, actual... The, the incentives for the fashion industry to be transparent on these uh, issues. And there's no central uh, uh, way of, of, of looking at this. These are all estimates. But say, let's look at it from the lower end. 100 billion garments per year. That means 32 billion garments is not <laughs> sold. They are not exactly. used by any consumer. I think this is what's baffling to me. Every time I say this to people, the people get baffled and shocked. And you don't really, it's almost like, you know, when you're thinking about how big the universe is and does it end <laughs> or does it not end? It's almost that type of that type of number. You can't, you can't take it in. It's crazy. Yeah, it's We're like going to get a, into where these garments end up. But, but, you know, it's just amazing to me. Yeah, it's like, you know, when you're a kid, someone told you, like, if you look up all the stars in the sky, they, they're like three times as much as many grains of so- uh, sand there is on the earth. You might say at least, look at all those stars in the sky. There's 10 times more unused clothes on earth or something like that. Now I just rethink that. <laughs> exactly. Something like that. But uh, I, I, it's interesting. And like you said, it's not only fast fashion. Definitely not. Uh, being that uh, the consumers, us three in this podcast, we get uh, introduced to so many collections all the time. We want to buy more, want to buy more. Mm. The stores that we like to go to, they flip through a lot of uh, different collections all the time. Bloomberg, with this in mind, even though it's not fast fashion stuff, they reported that the modern piece of clothing today is worn on average seven to ten times, uh, which is, it sounds 
you know, to me, it sounds like nothing. I feel like the clothes I wear today, I use them seven to ten times a week. <laughs> like, it, how is it to you guys? Like the clothes you're wearing right now, do you know for certain that you've worn them more than ten times? For sure, I would. I would say for sure. I want to say that I'm using my clothes daily, um, many times. I don't know. I'm as shocked as you are. Seven to ten times is insane because what is happening with these clothes? I don't understand if people are. Um, are they getting thrown away? Are they being recycled? It's an insane number because I feel like when you have an item, you use it. Yeah, I think the I, way I, when I, I when I purchase something, it's exactly like that. I know I'm gonna have it the next summer too. It's not like oh, I'm gonna have it for this party or whatever. But I think that's I what hate, people think. I hate to pull the age card here, but I'm I'm kind of I'm hiding <laughs> in a corner here in the podcast uh, room that I'm recording. I'm not. I don't want to answer this question. Uh, <laughs> but as you grow older, so does the pile of clothes in your closet. And uh, I, I, I think the problem is the, 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 what I'm wearing right now. I know for a fact that I worn uh, maybe uh, twi- this jacket. I worn it twice or three times a week uh, this the last year. But I know mm. I have. Uh, yeah, I don't want to mention how much suits I have, but there are many, many suits and jackets hanging in my closet that I haven't touched. Uh, and you the think past they still year. have a tag on, and you might just sell them in a year or two? Because you never does that happen? Absolutely. Uh, and let's, but let's not <laughs> have this be about me. I think what is happening. I actually, I, I want to say I think that the seven to ten uh, uh, number. I think that could be a little high. I've seen much, much lower number in in other surveys. And and again, I think this comes down to uh, estimates. You do individual research uh, on a on a smaller pool of consumers. Uh, this is also very hard to measure. Um, and I think when people answer these questions, I think they tend to overestimate uh, how much they, um, they they use their garments. Um, there was actually, we, we've had a guy on the podcast called Olof Hoverfelt, uh, a Finnish uh, researcher and, and, and consultant. He did, he has a project where he, uh, um, uh, uh, he, for three years, three or four years, he has measured daily the the exactly the clothes he uses and how much he uses them so he has like a graph of his entire wardrobe and he found out the same thing it was huge parts of his wardrobe that he didn't use at all and he he, i think he has sparked some something of a following where people are doing the same so so there are individual pockets of this in terms of research but it's uh it's very hard to define but uh, you know again it comes down in the macro which i think it's interesting to view it is you know there are some of these brands coming out talking about um, the clothes we produce are used more by our consumers. We encourage people to buy less and buy better and use more. That all uh, is all well and good. And I think you know when we talk about some of the solutions, that's that's part of it. But you know again, hundred billion garments, a third of it is not used at all or not even touched by the consumers. And what's being sold is being used seven to ten times. So. You know, it it goes to saying majority of what is produced every year has to end up somewhere that's not with the consumers. So let's talk about where this uh, happens, uh, because there was a great article out just a few weeks ago, actually, um, by uh, Bloomberg uh, Business Week, uh, where they had this was the first time I'd seen uh, a, a, a magazine or newspaper actually send uh, reporters to some of these places because what we're seeing is there's you know because of these enormously mountains of clothes that are being produced they have to end up somewhere um, so 
what we're seeing is in countries like Ghana or Tanzania or there are a few places in South America, uh, basically have been sort of the 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 waste baskets of the world. Uh, countries that that have you know for a fee decided to accept all these uh, clothes. Yeah, it's interesting okay. that same article mentioned how. Uh, globally, less than one percent of clothing is actually remade into new garments. Yeah. And yeah. they mentioned how Zara and H and M and all these big fashion houses, they would, you know, they would tell their consumers to like, "Hey, come in and give us your old clothes. You'll get a discount on new clothes, and we'll recycle them, and everyone wins. And fashion is great. And let's let's buy more and let's re- recycle more." But the thing is, like you said, one percent gets recycled. The rest of it is just shipped because they think, "Oh, we're greenwashing here. We're." We're donating it to charity, but it ends up in these uh, in these poor countries with no infrastructure that doesn't know what to do with all these clothes, and it affects them negatively. It was very fascinating to read that there there are different facilities around the world where uh, first they end up in these sort of sorting facilities where they sort of you know uh, you know sh- shave off the cream of the crop, sort of the, the clothes that can actually be valuable on the on the secondhand market, and uh, these uh, uh, women who have sort of a a very good fashion sense they have to have because they can see directly which brands work and sort of which types of garments uh, work and they get packaged in in uh, uh, big containers and shipped somewhere to uh, to someone who wants to buy them and you know we, there are these big uh, uh, secondhand shops around the world we talked about that in a in a previous episode so I think it's from there that that these clothes come from but then you end up with the sort of the, the majority of the clothes that end up in, in sort of landfills, unfortunately landfills. I think these countries talk about uh, recycling. There's some uh, reports on these clothes becoming stuffing in furniture and, and cars and stuff like that. But just when you see these photos of clothes just lying around in huge landfills, that's just uh, horrifying to see. Yeah, and it can uh, some, some of these clothes might also, you know, if they're dumped in water, they will release toxins into the water and people will get sick uh, from drinking water and stuff. So uh, unfortunately, there's no infrastructure to recycle Mm -hmm. the ones that we actually send there to recycle. Yeah, Meg, I want to bring you into this, but just one more observation from from this article. It's interesting to see that India had uh, um, agreed to, you know, create these kind of sorting facilities, but they did not want the clothes to um, live on in India as you know, as a secondhand market because they didn't want to kill their own uh, textile industry and their own internal market. So that was an interesting way, uh, interesting in, interesting detail as well. But but Mega, you you've been part of doing this research, and is is there any other way to look at this problem in terms of other data or like hidden statistics that that could shine a light on this problem? Um, for sure. I mean. What Eric and I kind of sought out to do when we started this research was we wanted to find an actual number, mm. some kind of hard statistics that will tell us this is how much we're producing, this is how much we're consuming, and this is how much we're wasting. And we kind of ended up with no numbers at all. So <laughs> it's a dead end. Just, it's a dead end. <laughs> so we decided to kind of put a spin on it and highlight the fact that no one is compiling any kind of data on how much of these three points we're documenting. We don't know Mm. how much we're producing, we don't know how much we're consuming, and we don't know how much is ending up in the landfills. We just know that it's happening. So, um, and it's hard because as also as the Bloomberg um, article mentions is that 
even though these brands are offering, you know, you can go recycle your items with us, they're still offering like a 10% coupon code or a voucher. And so they're kind of rewarding you to consume even more hmm. while still trying to be sustainable. And that kind of contradicts the whole point of trying to think more sustainably. And, you know, that's exactly the point, how they're flipping the agenda to match them, uh, these big fashion brands and these people that are greenwashing their their service or their uh, their sales. But we also looked at that. I spoke about it, the Fashion Transparency Index. They also, when asking all these 250, the biggest brands and retailers in fashion, they also had, most of them didn't answer, right? Exactly. So out of these 250 brands, 85% did not, publish or disclose uh, their production volumes, which means that they're not being transparent in their supply chain. Um, so we don't know how much is going to waste. We don't know where the textiles or materials are coming from. And um, if brands aren't basically disclosing their supply chain, nothing's going to change either because no one's going to really ask these questions of where are the items ending up when they're not being sold. Exactly. So I think that's interesting. 38 out of 250 wanted to share that. And if you look at 85% of, 85% is just one big, you know, it's a big chunk of just dark hidden statistics. How can we then sit here and talk about, oh, how many garments? Because we basically don't know what we're talking about. We really don't have a clue. Kind of case in point. But there are, yeah. I mean, to that note, I think that's a good pivot uh, uh, before we get too depressed and want to uh, kill ourselves and this <laughs> podcast. Uh, talk about some of the lights at the end of the tunnel because uh, there is stuff happening on the legislative arena. There is new policy coming out from EU when it comes to uh, the need for um, uh, textile uh, re- recycling. Uh, and other other things. We're going to do actually do a special on what's happening on the EU level in an upcoming episode. So I think that's part of it. There's also talks about doing kind of product passports for EU. So meaning if you are importing uh, something from another country, be it Bangladesh or India or China, wherever, you actually have to uh, be accountable for how it's being produced. Uh, mm-hmm. and and so forth. So there, the, these are things that are happening. We're going to get back to that. I don't know uh, as much as I want to about it. That's why we need to do another podcast uh, ab- ab- about it. Um, there, I also think it was interesting to bring up a comment at the Swedish Fashion Council did their launch of their report just the other week. And there was a comment there. Uh, Eric, you remember this from a guy from McKinsey, right? Uh, yes. So we spoke about it last episode, but uh, Jonathan Janmark, he said that he thinks, and McKinsey, they think that in 2023, we will see the first ever volume drop in fashion. Uh, and, you know, it could be because of many things. He, he brought up like the macroeconomic situation right now and uh, the, the recession and the war mm. in Russia and everything. So mm. or in Ukraine. So but it's still a very interesting point how usually uh, the fashion industry, uh, fashion transparency index, they've said that, oh, it's only going up, it's going up, it's going up. Now McKinsey is saying, actually, for next year, it might go down. And uh, for people that are interested in talking more about this, we talked about it in the last episode about how Gen Z are more interested in buying secondhand, not so interested yeah. in buying new made stuff. Yeah, and I guess uh, the fast rise of Shane is contradicting even that statistic. Uh, so people yeah. are always obviously <laughs> exactly. interested in, in more fast fashion. So it's a yeah. complex issue. But let's bring up, I think it's worth bringing up a, a, 
a few things that could actually um, be a kind of kind of solution to this. Um, I was recently at the opening of uh, Renew Cells' new factory up in Sundsvall in the north of Sweden. They are opening uh, the first really big uh, cotton recycling facility in the world, I think. So Renew Cell is a startup we have uh, covered quite extensively in the platform. We have had them on our uh, transformation conference. Uh, this is hugely interesting, kind of a, uh, a game changer if we can have this on scale. So obviously, they, they don't cater to the entire industry. Uh, there are some technicalities around it that that's challenging. So they can only uh, recycle clothes that are uh, basically 100% cotton. I think up to 95% cotton it needs to be. Uh, so they can't use this mixed materials. So having mixed materials is a huge issue. And what we know mm. from a lot of the fashion that's produced today, especially in the fast fashion space, there's a lot of mixed material uh, 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 clothing. Um, of course. So I think trans, you just, just increasing the level of um, recycling is huge. Uh, but it's kind of a, a, a drop in the water from, from where we are right now. And uh, from what I could see uh, when I visited the factory, it was not like it was like a big piles of random H&M clothes that went into these uh, recycling facility. It, I only saw like pure denim, big sort of bales of pure uh, blue denim that was sort of chopped up and going into this machinery. And uh, uh, what they could say was that this was imported then from... Uh, Turkey. So, I mean, uh, hugely important. We need more recycling. Uh, we need to produce more clothes of, of uh, sort of 100% material, stop doing sort of mixed material because that, then we can't uh, uh, recycle it. And uh, this is a big part of the new EU uh, legislation as well. Yeah, and you know, Scandinavia in general, we're really good at recycling stuff. You know, every day I walk past the, to the subway to go to work, I always pop in some bottles and some boxes and some plastic in, you know, these recycling stations that they have. Mm. Always right next to it, there's a, like a clothing one, but that's not for recycling, it's just for the Red Cross. So I always, if I notice I haven't used these jeans in uh, six months, I always put it there. If they would have had like a Renew Cell or like a, some kind of box there, they just like put your... Like you said, it's only 100% jeans, or cotton or jeans right now. Because, oh, put your old jeans here and then it gets sent out to Sundsvall. That would be a good way to, with subsidies from EU, with the government helping this, that could work. And I know it's a long way to go, but I think we recycle like 30% of all the paper in Scandinavia and 1% of our clothes. So, of course, we can get there. Well, it's going to happen, and just in a few years, we're going to be baffled at the fact that we, in our recycling, uh, you know, rooms in our houses, we did not have a textile bin. Uh, we've mm. had for glass and cardboard and whatever else batteries, but we didn't have one for textile. Uh, so yeah. that's a that's going to be a huge thing. But so I know, Mega, you've been uh, reporting a lot of stuff on our platform. People should go and check that out. But I remember you wrote, I think it was a month ago, about Beyond Remade, right? That also like a, a good initiative in the right direction, yeah. right? Um, so basically, the uh, second-hand store, uh, Beyond Retro, that's uh, quite popular here in Stockholm, they've just launched a new initiative, which is basically they are recreating um, new items made from recyclable and vintage pieces. So when people have handed in their old suede jackets or leather coats, um, Beyond Remade is basically making or like prolonging the life of these items by making something new, which is so much fun to see because these materials might not be 
um, used that, that much anymore. Um, you mm. might not see a suede jacket as much as maybe you did before. And that's really fun to see that these items are basically given a new life. And you know, beyond retro, it's like, it's basically a conglomerate right now. I didn't yeah. know it was, they, they have stores in London, they have stores all over Sweden. So yeah. it's cool that they actually make use of all the, imagine how much clothes they get every day, you know? Exactly. The price point is a bit higher, but that's also because, I mean, I think that they're encouraging people to look at the material and value the quality over the quantity. So. Mm you kind yeah, of pay for a, what you get yeah, it's a great initiative and yeah. they look great yeah and there, there's a lot happening on this front i think this, this plays a huge part i don't think you know right now I, i'm not sure how much it moves the needle on the one 100 billion uh but we've you know <laughs> we obviously we've reported on um rave review and hudakova and some of the the um new talents coming out of sweden I recently was in Helsinki, met with a wonderful uh, fashion designer called Laura Juslin. Uh, she runs a um, uh, design studio called Juslin Manaula. Uh, she works also solely with recycled materials. She had a project where um, it started with a, a, a kind of an ask from one of the big textile companies in Helsinki, where they had like bunch of textile from like the 80s and 90s that they couldn't sell because they were kind of outdated kind of furniture furniture uh textiles and stuff like that and they remade it into a new things that are sort of cool and hip and you know translated by a, a you know a modern designer which was really cool uh so i mean that I, all these initiatives are great i'd also think on the kind of boring uh more boring part of of the fashion industry the more i work with the fashion industry the more i'm baffled by how uh kind of slow moving and very traditional and analog it is. And a lot of the innovations that's, you know, been poured into the fashion industry has been with, you know, the past 15 years has been about, you know, new ways to sell clothes online. So in the digital space, so digitizing the fashion industry has basically been about just creating more ways of buying these, <laughs> these garments. And this has probably just enhanced the production of, 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 of textiles. But I think new technologies that can, um uh, make us you know solve this problem with the with the um, sell through rate for instance so if we can increase the sell through rate meaning uh you know not only that that we basically sell and use the clothes that we produce narrowing the gap from what 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 was it 68% uh up if we can get that up to 90 that would be amazing um so there and there are sort of uh, you know SaaS tools and other things happening on the market and and we've reported on some of them, uh, but those are more like they're not very sexy and and um, there also there's things happening in the sort of fashion tech space. I know Pitti Imagini, the the trade show down in Italy, are doing sort of uh, fashion tech conferences these days where they're listing new new innovative ways of of handling the the, the fashion industry. But effectiveness is a big part of it. Uh, and lastly, we should mention our favorite topic on this podcast, the metaverse. Uh, I've talked about it many, many times. We uh, have been, One of the reasons we've been doing uh, this uh, um, research is about our upcoming report on digital fashion, where, you know, the simple argument, uh, not to go into it too much, is can we transform some of the novelty and need for aesthetics and identity and... Um, just the way fashion works as, as a kind of a, a communicator to uh, the people around us, can we translate some of that into a digital space? We you know, should be able to 
sort of lower the impact on the planet. We, you know, and I usually I've mentioned my daughter as an example more than once on this podcast, where she, as much as you like a new cool physical garment, she she probably wants a digital one more because that gives her. Um, a higher level of I don't know credibility in her peers because they that's where they hang out right on on Roblox. Yeah, exactly. And consumerism that's very hard to you know it's very hard to you know break a whole international phenomena or like a cultural phenomena of consumerism. It's cool to spend and we like to buy stuff. But if people buy stuff online instead, if they buy clothes online for their avatar more frequently than they would, uh, you know, in in real clothes. If these brands, if they keep producing, if they want to make, they want to create. At least the, the digital ones won't be as harmful, you know. I honestly think that's the only way to do this, and the only way to solve any environmental problem is to create demand for something that's more environmental friendly. We'll see it with electric cars now, for for example. Guys, this has been great, uh, kind of a primer on overproduction. Um, a bit depressing at times, but I think highly valuable to kind of understand where we are sitting right now. And the, why the need for new innovations and new technologies are so dire and and uh, present. All right, let's end with looking at the week ahead online. And I think on the topic of digital fashion, we actually do have some reporting uh, happening, right? Uh, am I right, Mega? Uh, yeah, exactly. So next week, we'll, we're going to be publishing our favorite happenings from 2021 to 2022. Um and we've conducted a list of our uh, of some innovative brands that have kind of segued the, their way into the metaverse. And um, it's been really interesting to see all the different takeaways, basically, because some brands have decided to open up digital stores, whilst others have decided to live stream their fashion shows. So it's been it's been really fun to uh, conduct this list and uh... can't wait to read it and don't say too much now. <laughs> yeah, no, spoiler alert. Now it seems like there, there's a lot of activity in the digital fashion space. We enjoy talking about that, and I, I do think we have some more on that upcoming on the podcast next week as well. Uh, even though uh, you know, sort of the state of crypto is in dire situation right now. We're not going to get into that, but I think people's excitement for digital goods and the notion of NFTs, especially in the fashion uh, industry, is, is it's not going away uh, anytime soon, it feels like. All right, so this has been the Scandinavian Mind podcast uh, with my dear colleagues Eric and uh, uh, premiering on the show, Mega Prakash. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter. Visit scandinaviamind.com slash newsletter. And uh, why not follow us on TikTok? We're doing great on TikTok. We've been, you know... Some of the videos we've been publishing has gotten as much traction as we've, we've done on the reels on Instagram. We've been finding followers for five years on Instagram and we've been five weeks on TikTok and it's already performing. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, it's, uh, we own that algorithm now. It's our own. But uh, now we, we have around five, over 500 followers. I think we beat that today. So pretty good. We're doing well there. And people keep uh, they're commenting. They're calling us out uh, on the comments. Keep doing that. I love it. I think we need to get to put in our play sometimes. Wonderful. All right. Until next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.